As we have been for many weeks now, we are in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6. If you have your Bible, if not, most of the scriptures will be in your notes, but it is a time where you do want to have your head in the scriptures today. We're going to look at a pretty lengthy passage, and you're going to do some Bible study um, as we're actually doing the sermon today, and let some of the great truths of Matthew 6 uh, and Jesus' sermon kind of sink in and, and hit us where we need to be hit. Uh, let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are the God of all comfort. You are the God who brings perspectives in a world that is just without perspective, and that you show us through your word what you are doing behind the scenes very often at times where we seem confused, uh, disillusioned. And Lord, I pray for the heart that is the most uh, filled with worry and anxiety this morning, Lord, that you will lift each of us up. Uh, help us to see that you're a God who can be run to, who can be depended upon. And Lord, as we do that today, I pray that you will be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, as we've been looking at Matthew 6, last week we looked at the uh, uh, storing up for yourselves treasures in heaven rather than running and pursuing the things on this earth. And it's important in this passage that we're going to look at that we see it in the big picture. And part of that big picture includes everything that we spoke about last Sunday in the context of worry and anxiety. Now, there are some people who would like to say, well, I don't worry about anything. Um, you're a liar. Everybody worries about something. Uh, some of us, it's debilitating at times. There are times where the worry and anxiety can overwhelm so much that we don't know that we can even move forward. Uh, that getting out of bed is difficult because we know what is on the horizon or what we think might be on the horizon, and that becomes part of worry. And then you hear a sermon about worry, then you worry about your worry, and, and you get guilt. I'm like, ah, oh, I'm a Christian. I shouldn't worry. I shouldn't have anxiety. And, and, and I don't want to be that, that guy that, that, that makes anybody feel guilty or shame. Because this is the part of being in this world. Worry and anxiety will affect us. And usually uh, there's some well-meaning Christian who comes along and says, well, don't worry. Don't you feel better after that? You know, it's sure. You know, it's kind of like when you go golfing and somebody tries to tell you how to swing. Oh, Rick's here. Hi, Rick. Uh, you, know, you know, it's like, you're not helping me. You know, I'm thinking too much. I can't get my swing down. I don't want to be cliche and just tell you, don't worry, Jesus loves you. Uh, but I do want to tell you, we don't need to worry because Jesus loves us. And there's a whole different way of looking at it. And often in life, the growth that we have uh, is not where all of a sudden we say, oh, I'm not supposed to worry. Got it. No problem. God, in his grace, incrementally grows us very often, and that we may not see total victory. It may be a battle, but we see that there is incremental growth, and that I'm finding something new about the Savior that I can hold on to a little bit tighter today than I could yesterday, and that's helping me a little bit more. And I'm hoping as we look at Jesus' words today, uh, we don't hear anything cliche. 
We don't hear anything simplistic, but we hear a loving Savior that is reaching out and giving us those things that can set our heart at ease. That even in the most difficult of circumstances that we have no clue of, even when it seems like it's everybody's against us, wherever I turn, I can't make this person happy, they're not happy, and I don't know the future, and I look at what's in my hand right now, there's not enough here to get me there. And then we worry and have anxiety. And Jesus brings to his kingdom children these precious words uh, that sometimes often are not fully understood in all of their context. And and I want to unwrap that this morning to see that Jesus takes us on a journey and gives us some guidelines, a path to follow to begin to relieve the anxiety and worry that can come if our hearts are not in the right place. Uh, so as we, um, here, oops. as we looked at what we've been seeing before, this is kind of the outline of the sermon. If you've not been with us, you have it in your notes. Uh, last week specifically, we were talking about our choice investment, making a choice in the, for the kingdom of God. That's kind of like ground zero. If you don't get that choice right, much of life, if not all of life, will be frustrating, will be difficult, And I will say, full of anxiety when you get that choice wrong. And we're looking at two different things. Kingdom devotion, that's getting your heart right before the Lord. That comes before you even deal with the worry. That my heart and I am the right person before the Lord. Then the sermon turns and says, this is how you're going to function in the world. And you need to make a choice that that is a choice investment one that is worthy, one that can get you from point A to point B in this world. And that was the storing up for yourself treasures in heaven. And we looked at the different aspects of that. that, that, that why would you do that? What makes that investment so precious and so wonderful? And one of those things, if you choose the wrong thing, you will lose all your stuff. All those things you have at the end of your life, it will just be gone. You will have lived your whole life, and it will be meaningless because you've just kind of uh, enjoyed it. You've got nothing to take with you, but it gets a lot worse than that. If you don't make the right choice here, you lose your heart because where your heart is, that's where your affections are going to be, where your treasure is. That's where you're anchored. And all of us know the pain of losing something that you love. And when your affections are in the wrong place, you will lose everything. If you've stored up just for this life, you will have anxiety and worry because thieves are going to steal it. It's going to evaporate. Even though you love it dearly, it will be gone and your heart will be a shipwreck. But the danger three was you're going to lose your mind. (laughs) Some of us are there for different reasons. But this kind of losing your mind is that you're not single focused on the kingdom of God anymore. You find yourself divided. What about this? What about that? And, and, And you're just in a frenzy, and you can feel the anxiety and worry starting to come in. And then finally, the fourth danger was that you lose your will. When you make the wrong choice, eventually you are a slave to sin. You're a slave to worry. You're a slave to everything around you, to people, to their approval, because this is where the treasure is. You're you're not a slave voluntarily to the Lord who can fill all the needs. If you make the wrong choice, then you lose your will as well. This is a heartache of a place to be. And if you choose this earth as your focus, you will have nothing but fear, anxiety, uncertainty. You'll have a heart that aches because you're going to try to fill it with more stuff. 
And your heart was never made to be filled, fulfilled by stuff. It, it's God who does that. So against that context and background, we're going to jump in today. And, and, and we've seen that that passage of Scripture, as well as the whole chapter, finds its fulfillment in seeking God's kingdom first. You can't serve God and mammon with that idol that could be almost anything that you put your trust into, that you can't walk a fence because when you fall, it hurts. You, you, you can't. You won't be there long at all. You can't do both. You have to choose the master. And in seeking God's kingdom, we're going to see that, that that becomes the bedrock anchor point for all of this uh, rest of the chapter of Matthew chapter 6, and we'll be hitting that more. So today, it's our confident engagement. And in these verses, as we look forward, how is it that we can move forward in a proper way, in a peaceful way, in a way where our hearts are okay, even though there's pain, even though there's grief, there's not the worry and anxiety that come along with it. And we want to make a few contextual observations before we get into it. But to kind of show the universal plight that we're all in, uh, Charlie Brown here says, life is difficult, isn't it, Charlie Brown? Yes, it is. But I've developed a new philosophy. I only dread one day at a time. You ever feel that way? Some of us want to dread even more. It's universal. It's something because we are so fickle and our hearts wander so often that fear, worry, anxiety can grab us. Now, the kind of fear, worry, and anxiety that we're talking about today, this is really self-imposed, in a sense. I'm not talking about the kind of worry that might come because of a physical condition or, or an emotional or a mental condition that, that can be the byproduct of something. I'm talking about the worry that comes about because of our choices, because of where our heart is, or really where our heart isn't, the kind of thing that is of a spiritual type nature. For many of us, that could be 100%. For others, it may not be. And this is why it's a difficult battle and the danger of being too cliche about it. But what I want you to do as we get into the sermon is kind of sit back a little bit. Picture yourself on that hillside, listening to Jesus. And you just heard the verses that we spoke about last week about laying up for yourself treasures in heaven but not on earth because of the moth and rust that can corrupt it and all of those issues. And as you're listening, you might say, well, you know, I, I don't really have a problem pursuing this world's wealth because I don't have it. And I'm not one of those that is pursuing uh, relentlessly things as my idol, so I'm a little bit off the hook. Or you say, that's not me necessarily. I don't feel myself being drawn that, that much. But for me, it's more about worry about necessities. You know, making ends meet, having all that I need for the rest of my life. So it's not like I'm pursuing riches, but you're sitting there and you could be thinking a little bit, uh, it's not, that's me. I, I see the grandeur of heavenly treasure, but it's all well and good. I can turn my back on pursuing wealth, but what about the stuff I need? I have a family that I struggle to provide food for, clothing, shelter. What does this say to me? And in one essence, the, the, the treasure here on earth and seeking stuff and, and putting your trust here, that's kind of like the front door attack of Satan. 
that he'll come in and say, you know, okay, I want you to pursue this. But when it comes to worry, anxiety, that's like the backdoor attack because it's quiet. It's in the back. It kind of undermines you. In fact, you can have a lot of that without anybody even knowing it. If, if you're pursuing an idolatrous way, kind of looking after stuff in this world, chances are people around you are going to know that. Uh, but sometimes the worry and anxiety, to a point, can be buried underneath. And Satan will come in and undermine and say, okay, you're not pursuing riches, but you're going to worry about everything else. You're going to find it difficult to trust in the Lord. So as we think about this, you place yourself at the sermon, and the short answer for all of this is, Pursuing earthly treasure dethrones God through idolatry. But what happens to most of us is that worrying about earthly needs dethrones God through distrust. So that in either way, he has become less than who he is. That he's been brought off the throne, and we've put something else in the place there. Loyalty to kingdom values puts a stop to the tyranny of earthly cares whether it's the pursuit of endless accumulation or the frantic, faithless worry, even about the essentials that we need. So when the scriptures talk about being anxious for nothing, uh, it means to be drawn away in different directions or distracted. And we think we all know what that's like, to have our hearts so divided, pursuing different things, different places, and our mind is like so overwhelmed. It's like, I can't take any more. I can't, I can't add another thing. There's so many things pulling at my heart. And a perfect example of that, and, and kind of what fleshes it out a little bit for us, is Mary and Martha. And you probably figured we would get there eventually if you've um, heard these kind of sermons before. But in this particular passage, there's one heart in this story that is anxious, that is divided, and is being pulled in different directions. As we read in Luke 10... It says, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. It's like, get get busy over here. There's a lot of stuff to do. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled I will say grumpy, about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So you see two hearts out there, one of, both in the same situation, both having the Lord there, and both wanting to enjoy and have the best time with the Lord possible. But one anxious heart is pursuing it distracted and worried about all the details and all this. What if this doesn't happen? What if we run out of that? What if this isn't clean enough? And all those what ifs, while you have another who is like, Lord, you are the most important. You are the one. Not that this other stuff doesn't have to be done, but an anxiousness that divided the heart and caused her to really not even enjoy the fact that the Lord was there. But to be looking, saying what somebody else isn't doing, and I need help. And, and, and Don't you just get out of breath when you read that story? It's just like, yeah, I've been there. I understand that distracted anxiousness. So as we look at the passage of Scripture before us, I kind of want you to be uh, on your, in your Bible study mode. And if you haven't done a lot of it, we're going to read it slowly. 
I want you to read it carefully. I'll read it out loud, but you read it to yourself as, you're, as we're going along. And I want you to look for different things as I'm reading it. Um, it's as if you're, any of you have a favorite chair at home? You know, at the end of the day, this is like almost a ceremony I have. Like everything's done and, and all my work's done. And, and I go to my like special chair. This is where I want to sit. This is where I'm going to sink into it and I'm not moving again. And, and this is the relaxing time. And I go to the chair, and it's like, there's nothing else, right? And I sit down because it's going to take an act of God to get me up again. This is the place. I want you to sit there. I want you to sit in that spot. I want you to go back into the chair with this passage of Scripture and let the Lord gently encourage your heart. I want you to look for repeated words. Look for questions. Look for things that just stand out because this will begin to unlock the heart of our Savior and see it in a way where he compassionately wants to lift worry and anxiety from us. So in Matthew 6, 25, and I will say before I read it, uh, unfortunately, if you've heard this passage preached before, often this all that, all that there is, this is what you hear. This is the passage about worry. And you jump in at verse 25, and, and the sermon will just bring out points from verse 25 on. And I want to say, and, and hope as we study this passage together, we're going to say that's a great disservice. Because if you just start at verse 25, you've missed the very foundation of worry-free living, or at least lessening the burden of worry and anxiety on you. But let me read it, and as you make notes uh, as you mark things up. When you see a word repeated, mark it. When you see a question, underline it. Whatever it will do, because as you see the emphasis of the passage, you begin to see where Jesus is going as he's preaching the sermon. So in verse 25, therefore, I'll give you a hint, it's a big word, I tell you, do not be, or literally in the Greek, stop being anxious about your life what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you have need, you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Spurgeon called these the trinity, 
of earthly cares, food, drink, and the welfare of the body. Those things that kind of encompass all of the things that we worry about. But as we read that passage, there's certain things that kind of pop out where we look for repetition and for some key words in there. And hopefully, as we read it, you noticed that anxious appears six times. It's a big deal, this divided heart that's all over the place. But life shows up twice. Body shows up twice. So that, that this anxiousness is kind of rooted in the things that pertain to this world. We're going to see at the end, seek is in there twice. So what I seek has got to play probably a role in what's happening. And as you look at, he also says, I tell you two times. Now, if you're a parent and you're talking to a child and you want to get something across, let me tell you. And as you're saying, let me tell you. Uh, you want them to know that you're telling them something, even though they know that you're telling them something. But when you tell them that you're telling them something, it's because you're really telling them something. And you want it to sink in, and Jesus is saying, obviously he's telling them, but he's saying it in a more personal way. I'm telling you. So kind of tuck that in your mind as well, that there's something here that he really wants me to listen to, something I need to hear perhaps over and over again, because this is the first time that I hear it, probably won't sink in. And that's why parents repeat things, like, I heard you say that. Well, the parent's like, yeah, I know you heard me, but I know you didn't hear me. And you say it again and again, and that's what's happening with Jesus in a gentle, kind kind of way. It's like, I'm telling you this. By the way, I'm telling you this, so keep that in mind. And there's a command that gets repeated three different times in a short amount of verses. Do not be anxious. Jesus is not being cliche here. He's not just giving that pious, oh, don't worry about it. It will be okay. It's not that at all. In fact, those commands will be preceded by something that really unlocks the heart of God to show us why worry and anxiety don't make sense in light of who God is. But that helps us as we're sitting in our nice chair with our glass of iced tea or whatever we have and, and soaking it in. And I want you to read this passage a lot this week because we're going to pick it up more next week too. But, but let it soak in and say every phrase, what's behind that? What's the heart of Jesus trying to tell me here? What's, what's the main idea behind it? And really let it sink in. But one of the huge things that is there is the word therefore. And hopefully you saw it all three times. And for those of you that have been in Bible study at all, you know that the Bible study teacher will always tell you, therefore means an awful lot. It's diahatus in Greek. It's a big deal. And in church circles, it's always been said, or in colleges, what's the therefore, therefore? You always ask that question. You can't let that word go unnoticed. Because if you let it go unnoticed, you're not catching the big picture. You're not catching everything. So as we look at that word, therefore, I want to give you a couple ideas how important it is and what it means in our discussion about worry and anxiety. So therefore, first, it moves us from an explanation or teaching to what the explanation means or how it applies. Uh, it's important. If you know what just was said, 
This is going to be important outgrowth of it. It's something that you're going to need, it, what's, what it means. So it's going to unfold something. It carries with it a little bit of a magnifying glass that takes a bigger idea and zooms into an important aspect of it. So for instance, let's say we're going to have a woodworking class. And we have all this equipment. And the teacher will teach you, well, this is how you use this. This is what this is for. And give you all the rules of woodworking. Therefore, we're going to make a birdhouse. We're going to do something, and we're going to show you, with a magnifying glass, kind of an aspect of this. We're going to, we're going to examine a portion of it based upon everything that has just been said before. It gives you the... Uh, the fact that you can't understand this verse without understanding what precedes it. You can't fully get it unless you go back a little bit and you let it sink in and see what's going on. One of the biggest therefores in all of the Bible is in Romans chapter 12, 1. That therefore goes back to the first whole 11 chapters. It's like you're not going to get everything and understand the importance of Romans 12, 1 until you really get a hold of Romans 1 through 11. That is a pretty big therefore. It makes a big difference. And Jesus, by saying therefore, wants to get your thoughts going. Before he calls us into action, he wants us to think. He wants us to meditate and see what's going on. What is the therefore that is so important? Justin Taylor said, Jesus made arguments, not bumper stickers. You know, he, he made a thought that you need to follow, and you need to get grasp the whole thing so that you can see it all at once. Um, if I were to say to you, I have no fear of financial security in my retirement, you say, wow, that's cool. What would you want to know, perhaps, if you're a little bit nosy like I would be? Well, why? Why is it? How, how did you get like that? Well, I say to you, well, back in 1997, there was a small little startup company called Amazon, and, and it was $18 a share, and I invested $10,000, and now it's worth $12 million. And you would see that that returned an investment of 120,000% or something, I think it was. Well... I did that, therefore, I have no fear in retirement of financial security. That, therefore, says a lot. Because where I am now is only going to be because of what went before. And what went before is extremely important. If I were to say to you, because I am doing blank, and we'll fill it in, today, therefore, I will know God better tomorrow. Whoa. I'm going to know God better tomorrow than today? Will you want to know the therefore? You'll say, well, what is it? What am I going to put in that blank? What is it that's going to give me that glimpse into God so tomorrow I can confidently know him better than I know him today? The therefore in this passage, each time, will look back on a key teaching of Scripture and unlock something that we're supposed to grab a hold of. And in the context of worry and anxiety, the magnifying glass is there. These other truths are big and huge, and they affect all of our life. But Jesus is going to bring them in and say, you know what? If you do this, look back, you don't need to worry. This is true. You don't need to worry. In fact, this is true. 
You don't need to worry. And gives us kind of a threefold walk through peace and security. So we're going to look at that flow. And this is kind of big picture today. Next Sunday, we're going to take it into a little bit more specifics. But think of it this way. The first section we'd already looked at is a whole unit about choosing a kingdom treasure house. That's the beginning, and it's linked by a word, and, and you'll see it. All these things come together, and that's getting my treasure house. Uh, in the, I'm sorry, it's not... Verses 1 through 18 linked by end. And that's my devotion to God. But in 19 through 24, it's about choosing properly the master of my life. Who is it that I will follow above all else? Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. It looks back, and based upon a proper choice, I don't need to worry. So everything about making the correct choice of my treasure house is the very beginning of getting rid of worry and anxiety. If I look back and I get the master correct, if I dedicate myself to seeking him above anything in this world, I am on my way to understand how to beat worry and anxiety. And that's a big therefore. And as the flow goes on, the next portion of scripture, it's a unit It's adding additional kingdom reasonings to the argument. You get your choice right, then you listen to the things you're being told by Jesus, and you let his reasonings sink into you. And when that begins to happen, you get another therefore. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, and then we'll look at that in more detail, looks back and based upon proper reasonings, I don't need to worry. So it's taking me down a path. Get your choice of life correct, and that will get you in a place where you can stop the worry and anxiety. If I make the wrong choice, I will have a life full of disruptions, of of anxiety, of worry. It will just come because I've chosen a master who can't deliver peace and security. So my choice is is huge to begin with. But the second thing that comes into it is the reasonings that Jesus gives us, the things that we need to tell ourselves, the things of his that are true that we need to constantly tell ourselves. Uh, D. Martin Lloyd-Jones is a great preacher of yesteryear. And he says, have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself. Now, some of you would say, well, I talk to myself enough and people are worried. Maybe that's, there's something going on here. When you listen to yourselves, you listen to pity, you listen to fear, you listen to whining, you listen to complaining. But the kind of talking to yourself he's speaking of here, and it's from his book, Spiritual Depression, it's a great book. Uh, But in that, he's saying, you need to talk to yourself truth. You need to tell yourself the things that are true from the word of God, not just listen to yourself. Now, I'll give an example that some of you can probably, you know, uh, kind of a confession of my own, but you'll probably relate to this. Have you ever been at a church function and there's a lot of work that needs to be done, a lot of breaking down of stuff and chairs that need to be put away and tables that need to be put away? So you start, and you're just a servant at heart, and you just start working, and you're putting the chairs away, 
And there's a few people in the church who are like standing right in your way, talking to somebody. And they're just talking away, and you're serving the Lord humbly, but in your heart, you're saying, why don't you get to work? You bum. Why, why am I doing all this? And I'm doing all this work. And you know, it looks from the outside, you're the humble servant, you're doing it all. But inside, you're complaining, kind of like, you know, Martha, Martha. Uh, why isn't somebody else helping? And inside, you're listening to yourself. And you get more and more frustrated, and you go out to the car afterwards, and like, you believe all those people that didn't help. You listen to yourself. What you do when you talk to yourself is you go back to the same situation and say, you know what, Lord, I don't care what they're doing. I'm here to, I'm doing, putting this chair away for you. In fact, if they leave more chairs out, there's even more chairs I can put away from you. And it becomes about you and the Lord, not you and what they ought to be doing. You see, that the listening to yourself will always lead you down the wrong path. It's kind of like listening to the friend that has bad advice. You know, you go to somebody because they're going to tell you what you want to hear, but what you want to hear really isn't the right thing anyway. So when you talk to yourself, you let the reasonings of God Almighty renew and change your heart and mind. You rehearse them over and over again. This is what I know is true of God in this situation. This is what I know. And in that passage of Scripture that we just mentioned a minute ago, uh, right here, this is 25 to 30. This is your homework assignment, okay? You have to go into that this week, and you need to look at the reasonings. What are the things that Jesus says I need to listen to in the midst of worry and anxiety? Okay, I'll get my choice. Got that focused. But what are the things I need to keep telling myself? The things I need to listen to him about how great he is about his heart. And let's see how many you come up with. Once you get them kind of isolated, look at what they mean. What is he saying about himself? What is he saying about me in his reasonings that can give me a relief from the anxiety that is covering my heart that seems to me leading me all in different directions? So you'll be quizzed on it next week. Make sure your homework's done. And if you do it, there'll be somebody in the back with a gold star, okay? And they will put it on you. But, but do this. Get into that chair of yours, you and the Lord, and say, Lord, come let us reason together. Let me see what it is you want to tell me in my worry and in my anxiety. So moving on from that, the flow continues, verses 32 and 33. That becomes a unit as well, adding continued kingdom seeking to relieving my worry. So I've got my choice. I've got to make the right choice, and I've got to make that choice every day. Once I start making the wrong choice, I will have worry and anxiety. I have to stop listening to myself, because myself doesn't know what it's talking about. I need to listening to the reasons of Jesus, and I need to read them over and over again. The Bible talks about being transformed by the renewing of your mind, and that's what Jesus does. He, he gets rid of all the wrong thinking that we have. And this section is that, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. It looks back and based upon continually seeking him, I don't need to worry. So when I put them all together, choose the right master. Listen to that master. Keep seeking that master. And when I get that into perspective and I let all three of them work together, then my heart becomes free. 
I realize that this master has me in the palm of his hand. He's, his wing is a good place to be. It's a safe place to be. And then life will start lying to me, telling me other things. That's where his reasonings come in. I listen to truth. I've got to keep saying it over again. And it's a long haul kind of thing. I'll have two steps forward, three steps backwards sometimes. But I keep seeking, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all the other stuff that I've always wanted as far as peace of heart, peace of mind, he will add them to me. He will take care of me. So that's the big picture of the passage. And you need every single one of those therefores to understand the the teaching that Jesus has as, as he relates our kingdom demeanor and how we are to live in the world. This is the easy yoke of Jesus. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus is not hitting you with a rod of iron, saying, stop your worry, stop your anxiety. He's coming with a heart of love. And he's saying, look at me, take my yoke upon you, and I will lift this burden with you. I might not get rid of it, I may, but he may say, I will give you every bit of strength, every bit of comfort that you need to be able to to live under this burden, to live with it, to walk through it, that valley of the shadow of death. So when we think about the treasure choice that we spoke about last week, life hinges on that but it also becomes the foundation for a peaceful heart. And then we listen to our master, and then we keep seeking him. We have to ask ourselves some very important questions. Do I want to accumulate treasure? Sure we do. Which of the two is more durable? Do I want a joyful and properly oriented mind? That's the eye, the the lamp and the darkness Which eye will I choose? Will I choose a healthy eye or an unhealthy eye? And that goes back to what we spoke about last week. Uh, Which master is the best of the two? You you think it through, the, the answers become obvious. But our hearts are so full of materialism, so full of the now, that we constantly go towards this world, loving the things of this world. And Jesus is just trying to love us back to himself. I am the greatest master. I am the master that you can trust, that you can put your whole heart into. Jesus reduces for us the list of possible life goals down to two. All of us, whether we want to believe it or not, are ambitious. Ambitious either for the things of this world or ambitious for Jesus. We're seeking something. We're looking for something. Nobody gets up in the morning and saying, I want my life just to stink today. That's my goal. I want to mess it up. I just want horror. I want all the wrong stuff. No, you want the highest good for your heart. The difference is, what do you seek to get it? What do you put your hope into? And Jesus tells us right at the beginning, if you want your heart to be free, get your choice right. Get the wrong choice, and it will not work well, and you will always have heartache. You will always not be at peace. Think of it this way. Hey, we're going to go to war right now. We are going to pick a master to lead us into battle. Our first choice, second, whoops, I got ahead of myself. We're going to hit that next week. My first choice is this guy. You may or may not know him, but if you are going to go into battle, go into war, 
You want somebody who is time-tested. Somebody you can put your confidence in. Because when the battle comes, you want to be on the winning side. This would give you less anxiety, less worry to pick the correct master. However, there are other masters out there, and you could choose my son, Philip. Yeah, that's a chicken head. Okay, just in case you were wondering. Now, if you were going into battle, would you want him? You think, well, he's cute, but I'm not sure he would deliver quite as well as this guy. So you would have a little bit more worry, a little more anxiety because of the choice that you were making, the master you were going to rally behind. Well, some of you ladies are saying, well, that's because you got two men up there. We need a lady to follow. <laughs> Going to battle with Sammy. Okay, see, see, would you have a little more worry and anxiety if you were following the cute little pussycat right here? You say, well, wait a minute, she's cute and all that, but I don't think she's going to deliver me very well. That's a silly illustration of choosing the proper master. To know that Jesus Christ, God Almighty, can deliver. He can uphold. He is strong. He's worthy of confidence. So choose him. Follow him wholeheartedly. Then listen to him with both ears. Understand what he's saying and keep talking to yourself about it. Keep rehearsing it because your heart forgets quickly. And as you're doing it, don't give up. Seek him. Seek him with your whole heart, and you will find peace will rule your heart. Because it says, and it kind of goes right along with this as we look at this passage of Scripture, and we end with it this morning. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness, Jesus' reasonings, the things that he wants to give us, be known to everyone. The Lord, the Master, is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But, every, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He is the worthy master who has the correct reasonings, can tell us what our heart needs, and we need to be committed to that. We can't run to another savior to something else. We can't run to our, even our own thinking because it will lead us astray. But the master has said, you know what? Choose me. Keep choosing me. Listen to me and keep repeating it to yourself. My goodness, my character, my greatness is what has to undergird you. Not the difficulty of the situation, not the what if, not that enemy that looks so big. As long as you keep talking to your, you know, listening to yourself about all that kind of stuff, you will be in, in self-pity, you will be in sorrow, you will have a heart that's in bondage to those lesser masters. But when you make the right choice, say, Jesus, I will focus upon you and you alone. It's not about anyone else who's not putting chairs away like I am. It's not about them. It's about you. And as I choose you, seek you, and listen to you alone, your voice will transform my heart. It's the quiet good shepherd. And the shepherd, the sheep, know his voice. And he comforts and he holds them and he guides them. All of us are prone to worry and anxiety. 
all of the unknowns that are out there, all of the fears as we get older of our bodies not holding up and the difficulties that come in, there are countless things that can become our masters. Jesus is saying, don't let that happen. Stick with your whole heart and your whole mind and your focus on me and me alone. I will speak truth to you. Your heart will hear it. Your heart will know it. And your heart will feel it. May God help us. May you do your homework this week. And look at those reasonings. What are the things that we'll talk about next week that Jesus says, this is true, this is true, this is true, that we ought to be telling ourselves all the time. God loves us with an everlasting love. And it's his desire to hold our hearts and let us know his peace, his easy yoke that's easy to bear, and find rest for our souls. He doesn't want us to be restless and full of anxiety. He wants us to love him, and he wants to be our all in all. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for, our, um, for the Savior that you are, that you have within your heart reached out to us, that in this sermon, as we're part of your kingdom, we're children of your kingdom, uh, you want us to be devoted to you, that you desire to give us a demeanor in this world that is so focused upon you that we're not caught up in all the other pursuits and all the things that would be true of the rest of the world. Father, help us to know it, to experience it, to be able to rise above situations that would want to control us. Lord, help us to give it all over to you, to listen to what the King and Master, you, tell us. Father, deliver us from our weaknesses. Help us for the times where we just wallow in our own pity. We listen to the wrong voices. We fret. God, help us to, to, to rise above all of that and to see you as the Grand Master who loves and protects and, and cares for his sheep. Father, we love you, and I pray that you will fill 